What's up, everyone? On this edition of the Nonstop BS Podcast, the Carolina Panthers now hold the number one overall pick in the 2023 NFL Draft. We will update you on what it means for both franchises moving forward, both them and the Chicago Bears, along with looking at the updated odds for the number one overall pick market. Then we will provide our NFL free agency preview, going over some upcoming free agents that could thrive in new settings. Finally, we'll swing over to the NBA and we'll update you on the Western and Eastern Conference standings, look over what's going on in each conference as we have some really tight races, um, and eventually update you on the odds for both of the conferences on who can make the playoffs, the play-in tournament, um, and, and what the odds are to miss the playoffs for each team along with concluding with our best bets for the weekend in the NBA, college basketball conference tournaments, and the United Rentals Work United 500 at Phoenix Raceway in the NASCAR Cup Series. Thanks for listening. Hope you enjoy. Are you sick and tired of listening to the legacy media speak repetitively on the same teams, topics, ideas, themes, and players every day? Nonstop BS is a podcast that will give you topics and thoughts about the NFL, NBA, college sports, NASCAR, and others with a deeper vision into why things happen the way they do around the world of sports. There are so many lazy takes from all your favorite media personalities that frustrate you and me every day when we turn on our television or phone. Whether it has to do with politics and sports, promoting big brands, and ridding topics of context just to sway the listener's opinion. I, for one, am sick and tired of this type of sports media and that's why I'm bringing you Nonstop BS. Nonstop BS will dig deep into the why things happen in our favorite sports leagues, creating interesting conversation along with making me and you a smarter, more insightful, broad-thinking sports fan. Not to mention, I will give you betting picks for multiple leagues using our new way of thinking about the world of sports and having a little bit of fun with it, along with maybe putting some money in our wallets. So if this sounds like something you've been craving when tirelessly listening to people shout at you, about how wrong you are from all of your favorite sports media outlets, then make sure you tune in with me, Cole Lynchide, and take the journey of these fantastic seasons we are gifted to enjoy for entertainment with me on Nonstop BS. Welcome to another edition of the Nonstop BS Podcast. I'm your host, Cole Lynchide. Um, another great week in sports highlighted by things heating up in the NBA with all types of playoffs, playoff races fluctuating, all types of crazy ends of games. I just got done watching a bunch of NBA games here tonight, recording late on a Friday night, um, coming to you guys on Saturday morning. Uh, but some crazy, crazy games in the NBA here tonight. Uh, super exciting and super fun results uh, when it comes to the landscape of the NBA. NFL teams begin to clear their rosters to make salary cap space for free agency. That'll begin on Wednesday, um, this coming week, March 8, March 15th, along with the legal tampering period that'll begin on Monday, March 13th, uh, which is really where all the action begins, so super excited about that. We've got some free agency um, priming, I guess, <laughs> that we're going to do here on this episode um, to get, get you guys to see some of the free agents that I think are kind of flying under the radar a little bit, but definitely just free agents that I think are going to be 
Um, really, really fun to watch where they go, and and I think in certain situations they can thrive. So we'll go over that here coming up here on the show. Um, and then also college basketball conference tournaments. We haven't talked a lot of college basketball on the show yet, but with March Madness coming up, I will definitely be talking a lot of college basketball. It's really the only time that I... I'm super interested in college basketball pretty much once the NFL ends. I, I get really deep into it. I've given out a lot of bets on Twitter, if you follow me on Twitter, um, for college basketball, but I don't really feel like it's something that I want to talk about on the podcast and spend too much time on until we get to the March Madness um, tournament, and uh, the, the 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 tournament's fantastic. So I, I know everybody loves that, and it's something that is definitely worth talking about and being um, in on for the podcast. So we're, we'll be going on to, we'll be getting into these conference um conference championships and conference tournaments as they conclude here on Saturday and Sunday. And then Sunday later in the day is Selection Sunday, uh, where they will release the bracket. So that's when all the excitement begins with that. And then the tournament officially begins on Thursday um, with some games on Tuesday and Wednesday as well, uh, some planned games for the tournament. Um, Also, if you aren't following me, if you aren't following the show on Twitter, Make sure you do so at Nonstop BS Pod, along with me at Lynchad Cole. You can follow my bets on Twitter, or you can follow them all on the Action app if you want to download the Action app. Um, I'm my my tw- uh, username on the Action app is Cole underscore Lynchide. Uh, that would be C O L E underscore L I N S C H E I D. Um, Saturday afternoon on my Twitter. As I've done each of the first four weeks of the NASCAR season and of the podcast, um, I will be giving, I will be releasing another promotional contest for the podcast for anyone who wants to participate at, for the United Reynolds Work United 500. What a ridiculous name for a race, but I'm going to keep saying it because that is the name of the race um, <laughs> at Phoenix Raceway on Sunday at 2:30 p.m. Central Time. Um, so for the winner, the winner of the promotion receives $35 cash prize. If they retweet the original post that I post on Twitter, um, from either the podcast account or my account, uh, DM either, either account, um, proof of subscribing and reviewing the show, um, the podcast, uh, and pick the correct winner of the correct outright winner of the race on Sunday, uh, at Phoenix. So, if you guys want to take part in that, or if you know anybody who'd be interested, go ahead, give it a shot. First person who does all of that stuff, and the first person who um, comments on the original post, their outright winner and gets it correct, will win the cash prize. I'm going to keep having the cash prize increase every single week until someone wins it, um, and then we'll just repeat it over and over again. So nobody's won it yet. There have been a few participants. Um, there was a few participants at California. There was one participant last week at Las Vegas and one for the Daytona 500. So um, really would appreciate if you guys participate in that. It'll be a lot of fun, and we can interact uh, that way. Okay, so to start off the podcast today, there's really no other way to start out. Um, Earlier on Friday, the Chicago Bears have officially traded the first overall pick of the draft, and they traded it to the Carolina Panthers. Carolina Panthers were at ninth overall in the draft um, before this trade, but they sent the ninth overall pick, and also, or along with the their second round pick that they received for Christian McCaffrey, the 61st overall pick, um, along with also a first round pick, their first round pick in 2024, their second round pick in 2025, and DJ Moore, all to the Chicago Bears to trade up eight spots in the draft to the first overall pick, where they inevitably will draft their quarterback of the future. Um, if you ask me, 
this trade was super beneficial for the Bears. And I think the first move that has really made a ton of sense, there have been some minor moves that have made sense uh, for new Bears general manager Ryan Pace since he's become um, general manager there. But overall, a lot of the moves that he's made have been very confusing when you talk about trading away Roquan Smith for pretty much nothing. Um, a key piece to the defense, young player um, who's been everything you could ask for for the most part um, for the team and, and just been a fantastic player. And they trade him away for pretty much nothing. Then, um, weeks later, they trade a second round, their second round pick, which was also inevitably going to be a high second round pick. Um, and they trade away their second round pick for Chase Claypool, who was kind of a troubling wide receiver for the Steelers, if you don't know. Um, he was a second second round pick for them a couple years back in 2020. And he's he'd shown flashes of being really good, especially in his second season, um, having wide receiver one upside. But overall, in his second year, he kind of fell back to earth and looked like he's more of a wide receiver two or possibly three and uh, called out said that he was one of the best receivers in the NFL, um, has been kind of a controversial player, not for anything legal or anything like that, but just for a lot of cockiness and 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 just a lot of unnecessary media hype behind him when he hasn't really done anything in the league at that point. And the Bears straight away a high second-round pick for him, bring him in, and he really didn't do anything in their offense last year. So the Bears have made a lot of questionable moves, I think, before this trade, but man, the haul that they got for trading down eight spots in the draft where they most likely will be able to get outside of, you know, the Will Andersons and and um, a, a few other of the high-end defensive players. And pretty much they're going to be able to get whoever they want because there's, there's going to be, by the looks of it right now, there's going to be four quarterbacks that go before the Bears will draft, which leaves there being four other players um, only that will be taken before the Bears will be up to pick. So... They're clearly sticking with Fields, and they received a ton of players and picks to go along with their ninth overall selection that they will have. Um, also, DJ Moore uh, being included in this trade is huge for the Bears. I think DJ Moore has been um, one of the most underrated wide receivers in the league since his second year, especially since his second year in the league. Um, he's been a, a, I mean, super productive receiver. And when you think of the quarterbacks that he's had since he's been in the NFL, um, DJ Moore has had Cam Newton at the end of his career where he was beginning to really struggle. Um, then he's had a, just a cast of characters, including, you know, some Sam Darnold, Baker Mayfield, um, you know, some, some, uh, other, other quarterbacks that they've drafted in later rounds that I can't even think of right now, um, that, that have come in and, and played with. DJ Moore, no consistency, though, is the point at the quarterback level. And he's still been a super productive player every single year for them. Um, I think DJ Moore has DeAndre Hopkins upside. I think he's a very similar player to Hopkins. He may not have the acrobatic catches of Hopkins. And, and I'm not trying to, you know, disrespect Hopkins by any mean, but I just by any means, because Hopkins is one of the best and has been through over the last decade, one of the best receivers in the NFL. But I think that DJ Moore just all I'm saying is he has the upside to be a DeAndre Hopkins. And when you put him now alongside Darnell Mooney, who I think is a very good player, very good wide receiver too in the NFL. Um, still really young. When and, and then you have Chase Claypool also, who, like I said, probably a really good wide receiver three in the NFL, if we're being honest. Um, a big bodied guy, a guy who who can go up and get a lot of catches, just not super consistent. 
uh, makes has a lot of has had a lot of drops over the last two seasons, but still having him as a wide receiver three on a rookie contract over the next two years, you could do a lot worse a lot worse than the Bears are are at the wide receiver position at this point. So you talk about the wide receivers, you talk about Cole Komet at tight end, uh, Khalil Herbert at running back, an offensive line that's missing a few pieces, but like like we said, they have a lot of money and a lot of draft draft capital now at this point over the next few years. And Justin Fields at quarterback, the Bears set themselves up in a pretty good position here. Now, I think another key piece to this is a 2024 first-round pick that they got, um, and then a 2025 second-round pick um, that they, you know, received in this in this trade as well with Carolina. Um, those are important because Justin Fields is going into his third year in the NFL already, as we talked about already in the in the podcast and earlier episodes. If Justin Fields pans out, if this is a good year for Justin Fields, if this all works out the way that Chicago's wanting it to, they're going to have to start thinking about paying Justin Fields starting after this season. Um, Whether they want to exercise the fifth-year option or they trust him enough if he does have a uh, Jalen Hurts-esque third-year breakout, they're going to have to figure out what they want to do with Justin Fields, and he is going to be expensive if if they're going to re-sign him. So these picks that they have for the upcoming years, the Bears realize this isn't a one-year solution, and we're going to have to pay our quarterback before this thing really gets up and going um, the way that they're doing this rebuild. And that's one of the costs of sticking with Justin Fields, but when you get these future picks, these future picks are worth more to Chicago at this point than they are for a lot of other teams. A lot of teams value these picks as you know, a first-round pick in 2024 is equivalent to a high second-round pick in 2023. Uh, a 2025 second round pick is equivalent to a high third round pick in 2024. So for the Bears, it's almost more valuable the way that they're set up to have more of these picks later on when they have to pay Justin Fields. So they have more of these players that they're going to build around Fields on rookie contracts. The Bears realize they're not going to make a Super Bowl run coming up this year. They could make the playoffs possibly. The NFL, you can have quick turnarounds, but to go from what the Bears were last year and totally destroying their roster and rooting it of all talent to making a Super Bowl run next year, they realize that's not going to happen. So I think that was actually smart by the Bears to just get as much as they could in the future um, instead of just trying to stock up on a ton of 2023 draft picks and trading with a team that has multiple of them or or tr- trying to get everything they can out of Carolina as soon as they can. I think it was really wise by the Bears, and I thought that made a lot of sense, which is Really good for Bears fans because Ryan Pace, it's it's the first move that I think has made a ton of sense for them. On the Carolina side, um, there's a lot of rumors going around right now. Obviously, immediately after this trade happened, um, a lot of rumors broke on who the Panthers, who people are leaning toward um, thinking that the Panthers are going to draft. And about five minutes after the news broke for the trade, the, um, the market for who's going uh, number one overall in the draft closed and when it reopened about 10 to 15 minutes later it was eye popping and really telling on what the what the real what the public really thinks what the people really think is going to happen um with with uh the first overall pick with for the Panthers so when it closed Bryce Young was a pretty heavy favorite at just under minus 200 um CJ Stroud was a uh, set was second and I believe he was just over plus 200 and then Anthony Richardson was around plus 600, um, 6-1, six depending on where you looked, uh, with Will Levis and then all, all the other players 
uh, non-quarterbacks as pretty heavy underdogs. Um, When it reopened, C.J. Stroud became a minus 320 to minus 350, depending on where you're looking favorite. Bryce Young now, depending on where you're looking, is between plus plus 275 to plus 300, and Anthony Richardson's between plus 350 to 500. His his range is higher, Um, but he shortened a little bit, but is still third in line anywhere you look. Um, This is really interesting because then... After that, you started hearing, seeing a lot of reports that came out from people that you would you would expect to be kind of in the know, saying that um, that head coach Frank Reich is leaning towards C.J. Stroud, um, while owner David Tepper is leaning toward Bryce Young. So we have a lot, we have some mis- mixed messages here because usually who the owner wants to draft, especially in a situation like this where the co- head coach is brand new, um, and David Tepper's been waiting a while to make this move. Usually when you give up that much draft stock and 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 move make a move like this, the owner's going to get their guy. But if those rumors are true, why did the odds shift to CJ Stroud being a heavy heavy favorite? I think this is going to be a market that we're going to want to watch really close now that the Panthers have made this trade and with those rumors coming out, I'm sensing a lot of mixed messaging um with with what the odds came out and and what people really know. Um, behind the scenes here. Um, so I think it's really interesting. If you want to take a flyer on Bryce Young, um, for us people who aren't really in the know, we just get a lot of, of you know, signaling and, and do a lot, get a lot of information from secondhand from people who really are in the know and talk to these guys. I would not blame you on taking Bryce Young at plus 300 or better because uh, if, if, if reports are that David Tepper wants Bryce Young, it's really puzzling to me that he is such a heavy underdog to CJ Stroud. So something to watch for sure, but taking a plus 300 at Bryce Young, don't be heavy on it. You know, we still have over a month until the draft. Um, I I don't blame you at all. And I'm going to be thinking about it here in the upcoming days. Very interesting to see what happened though. And the Panthers are going to draft number one overall in the 2023 NFL draft. Okay. Moving on here, we have free agency, as I said earlier, coming up on um, Wednesday. The legal tampering period opens on Monday. That's when chaos ensues. Teams start um, announcing signings of players, uh, really announcing agreements with players all over the league. We've got some big-name free agents. Orlando Orlando, um, Brown is obviously Orlando Brown Jr. Sorry, left tackle for the Chiefs is obviously the biggest name I feel like on the market after not getting franchise tagged by the Chiefs. I'm trying to just think of them off the top of my head, the big names that are going to be free agents. But um, there are a lot of guys though, as I as I introduced in the beginning of the podcast, that I think are kind of flying under the radar as being really really good valuable signings for certain teams. So I've picked out a group of five of them that I think are super interesting players and I think could really thrive in certain situations and I gave you the situation. So we'll go through this next. Um, you know, b- before this, um, I-, I just wanted to say these are all kind of just out of the top of my head. Um, these are these are not, you know, any reports or anything. I- I'm not somebody who has a lot of reports. These are just speculation. I think that um, these would be really good fits. It's not any sort of reporting or anything that I've heard or any sort of information that I have. This is my my idea and my um, thoughts on where teams would, where, where players would fit really good with certain teams. So right off the top, I'm going to start off with tight end Mike Gusecki for the Miami Dolphins. Um, he's a really good possession slot receiving tight end, 
who I think would thrive in a pass happy offense. Um, so, you know, there's a lot of teams that, that especially with young quarterbacks, I think that Mike Gusecki would be a really good fit with. Uh, he's probably not going to break the market at tight end, but I would expect him to get a pretty solid deal. Um, somewhere in the eight to $9 million a year range could be a little bit higher depending on, you know, how much teams are willing to spend on him and stuff and how many teams are interested in him. I only have one team that I think would be a fantastic fit for him, and that's the Houston Texans. Um, the Texans are most likely going to draft either Bryce Young or C.J. Stroud, whoever the Panthers do not t- um, pick at this point, sitting at second in the draft. And like I said, a young quarterback, the Texans have a lot of draft of draft cap or of uh, um, they have a lot of cap space, and um, they they're going to be looking to spend a lot on offense to build around this quarterback. Mike Gusecki's probably the best tight end out there, and I think that he's a, a good veteran possession, like I said, receiving tight end that could come in and be a, a safety blanket for a young quarterback and and really allow Brandon Cooks and whoever else they bring in at wide receiver to excel on the outside. Um, get, give give their young quarterback a really safe player um, that, would, that would fit really good in their offense. Okay, sticking with the offense, I'm going to go with my next offensive player. I have three offensive players and two defense. Um, so my next offensive player is DJ Chark, wide receiver for the Lions last year. Chark played for the Jacksonville Jaguars through the first um, first four years of his career. He had a really good season in his second season in the NFL with over a thousand yards and eight touchdowns. Uh, looked to be like looked to be one of the best young wide receivers in the NFL. Then struggled with injuries over the next two seasons of his career. The Jaguars ended up letting him go, letting him walk in free agency, and he signed a one-year prove-it deal last year with the with the Detroit Lions. Um, and Chark played really good. He's a really good stretch the field type of wide receiver, and he has really good size at six foot three. Um, when healthy, he's one of the best wide receiver twos in the NFL. I think. Last year in Detroit, there were certain games where Chark just kind of took over the game. Um, he he became kind of the the go to wide receiver for Jared Goff in certain games, but he also again struggled with some injuries, and the the Lions just had a really loaded offense. So between the likes of Amon Ross, St. Brown. Um, Jamison Williams, you know, um, DeAndre Swift, there was way too many hands, uh, that were trying to get that there was way too many hands to try to feed the football to, uh, for Jared Goff. So Chark didn't really excel statistically in the offense, but he was a really important piece to Detroit in their offense being as good as they were last year. So, um, if DJ Chark can find a fit with a certain team where he can be a wide receiver too, um, and have a carved out role in an offense, I think that he would be a really good value uh, I don't think Chark again is going to break the bank, but I think he could probably range in the in the ten to fifteen million dollars uh, a year bin, and uh, I think he'd be a, like I said a really good value at at that type of money um, as a high end wide receiver too. Some teams that I have in mind start off with the Green Bay Packers. Um, the Packers for Jordan Love with Jordan Love, um, they're losing Robert Tanya this year in free agency. Um, they have Christian Watson who was awesome last year as a rookie, but outside of that, they really don't have a lot at the receiver or tight end position um, for Jordan Love to deal with right off the bat. So I think bringing in a veteran like DJ Chark would be a really good move for them. Um, I also think the Vikings, who just released Adam Thielen today, would be a good fit for Chark. Um, The Vikings have Justin Jefferson, obviously, but trying to find a running mate to go along with him. KJ Osborne's a possibility. He's been a good player over the last few seasons, but... Um, trying bringing in a guy like DJ Chark would be um, 
kind of what they were looking for with Adam Thielen last year, even though he was losing a lot of his ability due to being 32 years old and, and lost a lot of speed last season. Um, and then finally, I also have the Atlanta Falcons, who are trying, who obviously are going to be trying to find another receiver to pair with uh, Drake London, rookie standout last season. Um, and, and and they have a young quarterback situation with Desmond Ritter as well. So they're going to be trying to add to the to the, add around Desmond Ritter to see what they have in their third round pick last year. DJ Chark would be a really good fit for them. They have quite a bit of cap space as well coming into um, the 2023 free agency. So Chark would be a good fit, I think, at either, any of those three spots. Okay, last offensive player I have is Damian Harris, running back for the New England Patriots. Um, Harris is one of the most underrated running backs in the NFL. He's been forced to split time and carries with Stevenson, or Ramondre Stevenson and Sony Michelle throughout his career. Um, you know, Damian Harris, really when he's had the opportunity, has been one of the best running backs in the NFL over the last two seasons. Um, He's going to come at a discount though because of his lack of of uh, his lack of carries, his lack of of um, time that he's had as a, a pure number one running back in an offense. So he's not going to cost as much as 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 he probably would have if he um, got the role of a lot of other starting running backs as a bell cow type of running back. He's probably going to cost about five million dollars a season, and I think he has top ten running back upside for the next two to three years of his career if he can manage to stay healthy. So. He's, he's going to be a really good value, I think, in free agency. Um, some teams that I have in mind for him, the Carolina Panthers, who now are going to have a young quarterback. They traded away Christian McCaffrey last year. Signing Damian Harris would not be a bad option for them at the running back position. Also, some contenders, uh, the Philadelphia Eagles, who are losing Miles Sanders to free agency this season, and the Buffalo Bills, who will be losing Devin Singletary. They did draft James Cook second in the second round last year. I think he'd be a good pairing um, to go along with James Cook as he kind of forms his own role in their offense as well. Um, heading over to the defensive side now, I have two more players. Starting off, Cardinals cornerback Byron Murphy. Byron Murphy is uh, 26 years old. He's coming into free agency for the first time off his rookie deal. Uh, he's improved every season, even on a regressing defense, pretty much every year since coming into the NFL. Um, he's coming off a lingering back injury, which, again, will give him probably a discount and why he's not higher on a lot of um, boards when when they're ranking the f- top free agents this season. Um, some fits for Byron Murphy. Again, the Minnesota Vikings, I think, is a really good fit for them. They're losing a lot of corners last year, and they struggled as well in the secondary last season. Um, the Vikings' defense was just atrocious, especially uh, to end the season. They're losing Patrick Peterson, um, Duke Shelley, and they just released Cam Dantzler um, to free agency this year. Um, so, you know, they have a lot of young players, Andrew Booth Jr., who they drafted in the second round. But Byron Murphy would be a really good signing, though, to come in as their cornerback one um, to kind of build around and form a group of young corners in their secondary, rebuilding this secondary. Um, he'd be a good, he would be a good piece to build around for the Vikings. Also, the New York Giants, who still have a lot of cap space, um, and, and they need secondary help mightily as well uh, outside of a Dory Jackson they have a really unproven group of corners and then the Oakland or the Oakland the Las Vegas Raiders um, are another team that I think um, really to finish this defense and and the main problem with the defense last year was their secondary um, so bringing in Byron Murphy would be a really good start to them and with their pass rush that they have in their defensive line 
Uh, I think the Raiders have potential on defense, but they need to keep adding to their secondary, and I think that's going to be a key for them in free agency and in the draft. Okay, my fifth and final player is Arden Key. Um, Arden Key's a guy that struggled early on in his career with the Las Vegas Raiders. Um, he, he then was traded to the San Francisco 49ers and kind of excelled in their defense as a rotational pass rusher, and then last year signed a prove-it deal with the Jacksonville Jaguars. Um, he then overtook the starting role from Trayvon Walker late, late in the season and got a lot more playing time, and that's when he kind of um, started to excel in their defense as well and, and really turned into one of the best pass rushers in the NFL at the end of the year last year. Um, and, and that was also when Jacksonville's defense began to improve a lot at the end of the season. Um, so I think Arden Key is someone that is going to come at a discount just because he's never really had a full season of being, you know, the number one, like the starting edge rusher on a defense that's, that's been successful and has never had a full season of success. Um, but I think that he's shown over the last two years that if he does, if he is able to get that role, uh, and find a team where he can have that role, I think he could be re- a really good piece, uh, at a discount at a premium position, um, for a team. So some teams that I think make a lot of sense for him, the Chicago Bears, tons of cap space, trying to rebuild the defense. They're going to spend a lot of draft capital on defense, but bringing in Arden Key, it would be a way to keep it cheap so they can spend a lot more on offense um, with trying to fit in these new contracts they're going to have, um, along with bringing in a guy that can improve their defense immediately, along with the Seattle Seahawks, who are going to need edge rushing help. That's one of the... Um, probably one of the only parts of the Seahawks team that they really need to massively improve going into the 2023 season. Um, and our, and our Arden keys, like I said, would be perfect in a, in in a defense and a scheme like Pete Carroll runs in Seattle, um, where there's been a ton of pass rushers that have a lot of success and he would come at a a pretty good discount, which would um, be something I think Pete Carroll and the Seahawks would be interested in. Okay, so those five players, keep your eye on them as free agency opens. Um, and I, like I said, I think that these are guys that could go early on, but I don't think they're going to break the bank, and I think that they could be some of the most impactful um, free agents as we as we look on to the 2023 season, when we look back to this point in free agency and say, who was really the best signing in free agency? I think these guys are, are guys that we might talk about as some of the best Um, values. Okay, I'm going to take a little bit of a break here, and then we will be back, and we'll swing on over to the NBA and catch up on the standings in the Eastern and Western Conferences as we're only 15 games away from the playoffs. All right, welcome back. Um, So swinging on over, like I said, to the NBA. Um, On Saturday night, we had a lot of, like I talked about, some really crazy games, crazy results um, in the NBA, and we really have over the last week. It's been super fun. Uh, if you're not getting back into the NBA um, at this point, it, it is the time to start with about 15 to 20 games left um, in the regular season, just 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 under a month or around a month um, before the playoffs are going to begin. And uh, teams are really starting to ramp up. You're not having a lot of pe- players sitting out anymore. Um, games are getting super interesting as teams are fighting um, for their playoff spots. And we have really tight races in the Eastern Conference and Western Conference. So going over some of the scores from Friday night, the Hawks beat the Wizards 114-107. to 107. The Sixers beat the Trailblazers 120-119 to 119 with a Joel Embiid buzzer beater at the end of the game. Um, one second remaining, but pretty much a buzzer beater. 
The Heat had a comeback win and won 119 to 115 over the Cavaliers. Uh, the Nets won in overtime over the Timberwolves, 124 to 123. Um, the Spurs beat the Nuggets in a big upset, 128 to 120. And the Lakers beat the Raptors in a comeback victory as well, 122 to 112. Um, when we look at the standings in the Eastern Conference is where I'll start. You know, you have the heavy hitters at the top. The Bucks 48 and 18, the the Celtics 46 and 21, the Sixers now 44 and 22. Um all four of them pretty solidified as the top 3 seeds in the East. Then you have the Cavaliers and the Knicks as the 4 and 5 right now, um who are 7 and a half and 10 games back from the 1 seed. The Nets are 11 games back. And that's where it starts to get interesting. So the top six seeds, pretty secure. The Nets still two games ahead of the Heat, who sit in the seventh seed right now. Um, and and with 15 games remaining, it'd be really tough to consistently for the Heat to consistently get to the sixth seed, I think. But I still think they have a chance. You know, the Nets are four and six in their last 10 games. They've played pretty good, um, but at the same time, they, they haven't, they, they're not the same team, obviously, that they were when they had Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving. This group of players that they have with Mikael Bridges and Spencer Dinwiddie um, and others have played, honestly, pretty well together, but I still don't, I still wouldn't say for sure that they're locked into being the sixth seed, I guess. I, I just think they have a they have a pretty good shot at this point still with how inconsistent the Heat have been, um, but the Heat are also a team that I think could get streaky and, and kind of win, win a a good stretch of games here down the stretch with their schedule that they have coming up. Um, but the the like I said, the Heat thirty six and thirty two, the Hawks in the eighth seed are thirty four and thirty three, a game and a half behind the Heat. Uh, the Raptors are now thirty two and thirty five, and they're two games behind the Hawks, and they sit in the ninth seed. And the Wizards thirty one and thirty six are a game behind the Wizards in the tenth seed. Um, the Bulls right behind the Wizards by a half a game at 30 and 36, the Pacers 30 and 37, a full game behind the Wizards as the 12 seed. And that's pretty much the extent of the, of the East, uh, the Eastern conference race. Um, right now, I mean, with how these teams have kind of been rotating, shifting, the, the, the biggest race going on is going to be between the Raptors, the Wizards and the Bulls, I think, um, for who makes it into the playoff tournament. Or the play-in tournament, my goodness. Um, you know, the Bulls have been a team that have gone on stretches throughout the whole season. Um, pretty much in the beginning of the season, they struggled a lot. They kind of, in the middle of the season, got back to 500 by having a stretch of five to six games a couple times uh, where they won all of them in a row. Um, have looked streaky good, like I said, at those points. But then over the last few games, um, they have lost five of their last seven over the last seven games. Um, and so they just really have not been able to consistently put it all together, even though they have a lot of really good players, obviously with DeMar DeRozan, Zach Levine, uh, Nikola Vucevic, um, and, and many other young players. But I, I just don't know if they're going to be able to consistently win enough games to stay ahead of the Wizards and the Raptors. The Raptors have again been a kind of a team like that that were super underwhelming to begin the season. Now they're hitting then then they got a lot better, started putting some games together, and now they're hitting a, a stretch of their schedule where um, they're just playing some really good teams and losing some close games um, where they they have commanding leads at points. But I think the Raptors have a pretty good shot still of making the making the playing tournament. 
um, and sticking in the nine seed. And I think the Wizards are just too talented to uh, lose a bunch of games consecutively, kind of like they've been all season. They've just they've been a team that's been pretty consistently five hundred. Um, they lost two games here to the Hawks in a row, but at the same time, before that, they've won a couple games in a row. And with their schedule down the road, I it doesn't I don't believe their schedule is too difficult. So I think the Wizards are going to be a tough team for the Bulls to to find catch in the Eastern Conference um, to make the play-in tournament. Then when we look over at the Western Conference, it's even more interesting. So you got the Denver Nuggets at the one seed, the Sacramento Kings as the two seed, the Grizzlies as the three seed, um, the Suns as the four seed. The that all four of those teams with fairly commanding a fairly commanding lead over the five seed. But the five seeds where we get it, it gets super interesting. So between the five seed, which is the L.A. Clippers, and the 13 seed, which is <laughs> the Portland Trailblazers, there is all but a three and a half game or three and a half games separating all of these teams. So that would be eight different teams that are separated by three and a half games. There's really no telling with injuries and everything that's going on with these teams um, what's going to happen. And and that's why I can't wait till these odds come back out. And we're going to revisit that on Wednesday on the Wednesday podcast. And I'm going to give you guys my best bets um, for for to make the playoffs and to make the play-in tournament, um, depending on what markets are reopened back up and everything. Um, but like I said, the Clippers as the five seed right now, they're finally healthy. They finally have all their players playing pretty consistently not winning a lot more games. Their last 10 games, 4-6. and six. Um, They've won two in a row here as of recent, but we'll see if they can stay consistent. They're obviously one of the most talented teams in this group, um, but they have not been able to consistently play good all season long, so I don't really feel like I have a ton of faith. They now have Russell Westbrook. That has not helped them at all, just like it hasn't helped pretty much any team that has had Russell Westbrook over the last few seasons, so we'll see how that ends up working out for them. The Warriors is the sixth seed. Curry finally came back a couple games ago. But this team is just struggling on the road like I've never seen a team as talented as them struggle on the road. They're now 7-26 and on the road. Um, that is super troubling, especially when you get into playoff, playoff series where they're going to be underdogs and they're not going to have home court advantage for any of their playoff series. So, um, you know, it's something that definitely has to worry a lot of Warriors fans, then uh, uh, tied with them and as the seventh seed right now is the Minnesota Timberwolves. Timberwolves, another really talented team, but the Rudy Gobert signing is a signing for them that has just really not worked out the way they ex- they expected it to, um, but they've been streaky good as well. Anthony, Anthony Edwards has been fantastic this season, and I think he kind of is their X factor, obviously, that is going to determine what ends up happening and, and how far they can go in the playoffs and where they end up being seeded. So I could see this team definitely getting past the Warriors and getting into the six seed, but I could also see them slipping all the way down to the 9-10, um, possibly, especially if LeBron comes back and a few other things I'm going to talk about in a minute. Um, the Dallas Mavericks, oh, this is, that, that's, a, that's a headache, <laughs> trying to figure out what this team is. Um, Luka, Kyrie... Um, and, a, and a lot of just role players. It just really hasn't worked out at any point for the Mavericks, no matter what group they've had. Um, they, it, nothing has been able to be consistent. So 
again, one of the most talented teams in the Western Conference, but have not been able to be consistent this year at all. They said 34 and 33, also tied with the Warriors and Timberwolves. Uh, the Lakers, 33 and 34 now. As they've won three games straight, they're actually playing super, super good. Probably the best they've played all season. And shockingly, very shockingly, no sarcasm at all, um, it's when LeBron has not been playing here over the last stretch of five games. Um, So if they can keep that type of play going, and especially when LeBron ends up coming back here shortly before the playoffs, hopefully, um, the Lakers are going to be a team to watch out for. As much as I don't enjoy saying that, they're going to be a team to watch out for. Um, the Pelicans at 32-34, and 34, sit in the 10th seed. Is Zion ever going to come back? It's not sounding like it. Based on the reports that came out yesterday, um, that it's, it's an injury that's just going to keep on lingering, um, and he's expected to miss at least a month more. It sounds like if Zion comes back, it's going to be in the playoffs at the earliest. And I'm not really going to hold my breath um, waiting to see if that ends up happening. Again, it's it's another really talented team. Even without Zion, this team is a team that, um, you know, took the Suns really far in a in a seven-game series last year um, against the Phoenix Suns. But I, they, they've been really bad over the last stretch of 15 games, and I, I just don't really see them in a, in a conference this loaded and this tight being the team that um, can kind of separate themselves from the rest of these teams as as they're getting hotter, or just even teams that are have been consistently, you know, average all year. Because the Pelicans started off really good; they were the one seed in the, in the Western Conference for a moment in the beginning of the year. Now have fallen to thirty two and thirty four, and really just no no sign of stopping the slide <laughs> as a, as as even when they get even when they're starting to get players that are coming back like Brandon Ingram and uh I think the only thing that could save them is Zion coming back and I just don't see that happening. Then at the 11, 12 and 13 you have the Utah Jazz, the Oklahoma City Thunder and the Portland Trail Blazers. I mean, it's honestly just too loaded. I I don't see the Jazz have kind of overperformed all year and they've continued to do that after the All-Star break. They've been a little less um consistent i guess since the all-star break but i still don't i i I, I, they they still have been they still have they still have overperformed and been exciting i just don't take them very seriously also with the thunder i think they're a season away at least um they've been really exciting and fun to watch this year but i just don't really see that happening either and then the trailblazers are basically the damian lillard show and if not um they're not a team that i take seriously at all in the western conference so um, going to be a really tight race. We'll got, I'll give you guys my best bets, as I said, going, coming into Wednesday, but I just kind of wanted to run through the, the landscape of the NBA right now as we're nearing the playoffs, um, and it's really starting to heat up and talk about what I kind of see with these teams and where I kind of view them at this point. So, okay, let's move on to our final segment, and we're going to give out our best bets for the weekend. Um, a lot of sports as every weekend going on this weekend. Um, I'll start out with my best bets in the NBA. So my first best bet comes on Saturday night. The Boston Celtics are taking on the Atlanta Hawks in Atlanta. Atlanta, as I talked about um, just a few minutes ago, are coming off of a two-game winning streak um, on two road games in a a row against the Washington Wizards. Um, And Boston comes into this game as a a four-and-a-half-point favorite. 
listen, ever ever since the end of last season when when Boston really started to get hot and they kind of brought that all the way into the finals and then into the beginning of this season and they've been one of the best teams in the NBA. Boston has been super successful against the Atlanta Hawks. Um in in February and March last year, they beat the Hawks 105 to 1 to 95 and then 107 to 98. And then early on this year in Atlanta, they beat them. They beat the Hawks one twenty six to one hundred one. Um, honestly, defensively, the Hawks really have not just have just not had an answer for teams this deep and this offensively loaded um, as the Celtics are. And they really also can't play. The, I think the bigger key, honestly, is that the Hawks can't play defense the same way um, that the Celtics and the Heat can. Uh, Hawks coming off of a, a two game winning streak, as I talked about with them, just like a lot of teams in the NBA. Uh, really talented team can't have not been consistent at all this year. Um, this is a spot where Atlanta is was on a, a multiple game road um, expedition over the last couple weeks, and they come home now um, with no day with no break between between games. And one of the best teams in the NBA comes to their house. Um, I see the Celtics covering this at uh, four and a half point spread. Opened at five and a half, down to four and a half. Um, I, I, I just see this is a spot where I think the Celtics are really, really favorable. I like it at anything under six for this game tomorrow night in Atlanta. Okay. My other bet for tomorrow, tomorrow night in the NBA is in the Bulls and Rockets game tomorrow night. The Bulls are a seven and a half point favorite in this one. Um, but I'm going to go to a prop and give out my first prop on the, the podcast. I like DeMar DeRozan to make one three point shot. Uh, at plus 120, I'm going to put a half unit on this. By the way, the last bet was a full unit play. Um, I'm going to put a half unit on this. I, DeRozan has been shooting more threes as of late, and pretty much this year whenever he's been shooting threes, which is not super often, but when he does shoot threes, um, he's made a ton of them. And the Rockets are one of the most historically bad teams at defending the three-point shot this year. Um, I think DeRozan's going to at least... Uh, shoot and attempt a couple threes, and I, I don't, I don't, I, I see him getting a lot of good looks in this game. I think DeRozan's gonna have a really good game, and I think he's gonna uh, be able to knock down at least one three point shot. But I, I think he's probably gonna make even more than that. I think, uh, I think the Rockets <laughs> are gonna struggle to defend what the Bulls bring on the perimeter uh, with their backcourt um, tomorrow night in this game. So, DeMar DeRozan over one three point shot made against the Rockets on Saturday night. Okay, move on over to college basketball, where we have, like I said, a lot of conference tournament games going on tomorrow, and I will give a lot more of these out on Twitter tomorrow, so make sure you're watching my uh, Twitter account, and like I said, follow me, Um, but I'm going to give out one on the podcast here tonight that I already like and that I'm going to bet here tonight, and that's Penn State taking on Indiana. Uh, I'm going to take Penn State on the money line for a half unit, uh, plus 135, um listen Penn State when they played Indiana earlier this year they demolished them but they've been really hot leading up to the Big Ten Conference Tournament and uh and and they've played really well in the tournament as well beating Illinois and Northwestern in the last two games um you know Indiana is a team that I think is a little bit overvalued right now because they've had some really big wins as of recent over Purdue um coming into the the tournament but not a lot of people are talking, at least in circles that I hear, about their big losses that they've had too, uh, to Big Ten teams toward the end of the year. Um, I think Indiana's a super uh, fluctuating team. I think that they're a team that can lose and win to pretty much anyone. 
But I think Penn State's a lot more consistent, and they like to play close games. I think them being a three-point dog is a little ridiculous. If you want to take the three, I don't blame you. But I think 135, 140, which is where I'm finding them at right now, um, I think that's just way too uh, long of a price for them against Indiana, and I like Penn State a lot in this game. So I'm going to put a half unit um, on that one as well. I may come in with a, a play on their spread also, um, but we'll see. Like I said, follow me on Twitter to see if I put if I make that uh, decision tomorrow. Um, okay, and then to f- conclude here with the best bets for the weekend, um, my bets for the United Reynolds work United 500 at Phoenix uh, Raceway on Sunday. Um, got quite a few here for the podcast. So going to give them all out, and I'll kind of give explanation when I'm done. Um, so first of all, for outrights, I have three outrights. I'm going to put a full unit on Chase Briscoe at 20 to 1. I'm going to put a full unit on Ryan Blaney at 7 to 1. And I'm going to put a half unit on Ricky Stenhouse at 250 to 1. Um, I'm going to put two units on Brad Keselowski, top 10 finish, plus 185. I'm going to put one unit on Ricky Stenhouse, plus 600 for a top 10 finish. And I'm going to put two units on Chase Briscoe, uh, plus 110 for a top 10 finish. Okay, so starting off with Chase Briscoe. Chase Briscoe last year finished in the top five in both races at Phoenix. He's raced really, really well at Phoenix, excluding uh, in 2021 when he had engine troubles. Um, but outside of that, like I said, Briscoe's raced really good at Phoenix. Uh, one of his best tracks. He won uh, one of the races last year. Um, actually, this race last year. Um, and then in practice on uh, Friday night, he had the fifth fastest car in practice. He ran 47 laps. Um, so I think Chase Briscoe at 20 to one has is are super super good odds. Uh, like I said, when I when I bet on NASCAR, I like to look at practice and qualifying times a lot, but especially practice. I like to see the difference between practice and qualifying. I like to see how they ran on long runs because I think that's super important. Um, and when you when you're really understanding what whose cars are going to run the best as the race kind of goes on on Sunday because a lot of a lot of cars run really good short and then don't run very good fast. You saw that or on long runs. You saw that last week at Las Vegas at at mile and a half tracks and even mile tracks. That's super super important. So Briscoe at 20 to 1 and then up for a top 10, I think it'd be pretty shocking. Uh not not impossible of course. NASCAR is a sport where literally anything can happen, but it'd be pretty shocking if Briscoe didn't at least finish in the top 10. Um, on Sunday. So plus 110, I think that's a pretty ridiculous line for Chase Briscoe top 10. Okay. My next one, Ryan Blaney. Um, Ryan Blaney, a guy who also, he he finished in the top three over the last four races, three times that they raced at Phoenix. Um, He had in practice, I know I had just had this up. uh, He had the second fastest car to Kyle, Kyle Larson in practice and just barely slower than Kyle Larson. Um, you know, Blaney's someone who did not win a race at all last year, but was super dominant for not winning a race. Um, I don't see that being the case this season. And I think Ryan Blaney, this is a really good spot to get him, um, uh, to win his first race since 2021. He's a really, really good driver, had a ton of top five, top 10 finishes last year. I think Blaney wins at least one of these races at Phoenix, and 7-1 to one is pretty good odds for a guy that I think should be right up there with Kyle Larson for the favorite at this race. Okay, and then Ricky Stenhouse Jr. at 250-1. to one. 
Um, and then also I have him at plus 600 for a top 10 finish. Stenhouse has ran really good here in the past. He also had the seventh fastest car in practice. Um, won the Daytona 500. Has honestly performed really well in the other two races this year too. Ricky Stenhouse is having a really good season so far. And the odds have not adjusted one bit for him. Um, his odds are honestly longer in this uh, race, coming up to this race, than they were even for Las Vegas. I think after qualifying, I think he's going to qualify really well. He's qualified pretty well, honestly, already this year. Um, I, I think that Ricky Stenhouse's odds are going to shorten a lot after qualifying. So make sure that if you're listening to this on Saturday morning, you're betting this as soon as you can if you want to back Ricky Stenhouse. So, um, th- I mean, honestly, those are some <laughs> those are some long odds that I think are pretty likely to hit, especially the top 10. So uh, make sure you get that. And then Brad Keselowski. I mean, his odds still haven't shortened. He's ran super well in all three races this year. He's had some bad luck at the end of races, but he's ran in the top five, top 10, pretty consistently through every single race, all three races this year. Plus 185. I'm going to keep betting this top 10 for Brad Keselowski at most tracks. Not all of them, but most tracks until the odds adjust appropriately. I think he should be priced more like um, an Alex Bowman at least right now. I, I don't think he should be priced like some you know some of the best drivers in NASCAR like like uh, the the Hendrick car the other Hendrick cars like William Byron um, or Ross Chastain or Christopher Bell. I don't think he should be priced with them, but I think he should definitely be more priced like Alex Bowman, which is you know the the eighteen to twenty to ones where they can pretty much win um any race but they're not like consistently one of the best drivers in nascar he's meanwhile being priced like a guy who pretty consistently runs you know 20th to 25th so um i just don't think that's the case for keselowski i think he's shown that in races if you've been paying attention and i'm going to keep betting him to finish in the top 10 as long as we're getting you know plus 150 to plus 200 um in in the odds so and this is another track where keselowski has ran really good at in the past And so I like him a lot um, for a top 10 coming into Phoenix. Okay, thank you guys again for listening to the Nonstop BS podcast. Um, Make sure, like I said, you follow me on Twitter. Follow all my bets for the weekend. Enjoy the weekend in sports. A lot of NBA, college basketball, NASCAR action coming to you guys on Saturday and Sunday. And we will be back on Wednesday to continue going over free agency. There will probably be a lot of moves in the NFL early on next week that we will have to talk about. Um, We'll have March Madness. We'll have our brackets uh, that we'll be able to fill out and kind of talk about um, with a lot of results coming from from the college basketball uh, conference tournaments and conference championship games this weekend. And then we will also have more NBA to talk about, and we will definitely revisit and look at the odds um, as they come here, come out, come back out here on uh, Saturday and Sunday um, for a lot of the different seedings and stuff in the NBA and and who can make the make and miss the playoffs. Um, so that'll be fun and interesting. So make, like I said, make sure you're following me on Twitter for the promotional contest that I'm going to have on Saturday. And then also to follow along for my bets with my bets for the weekend. Um, like, but again, thank you guys for listening. This has been the nonstop BS podcast and we will see you on Wednesday.
we personally felt like we had a really successful episode and you know we're not really about the saris like any of the catch-ups like where i was what i was doing you know what we did it we moved on and 